0: Hello, and welcome to the Church Times podcast. I'm Ed Thornton. Is there an evangelical takeover of the Church of England? In her column last week, Angela Tilby suggested that there is, and she said she would be using this year's Thy Kingdom Come initiative to pray for an escape. The article has been shared far and wide and has provoked many letters and tweets, some supportive, but many voicing strong disagreement. I spoke to Angela about her article, and also brought into the conversation Father Craig Huxley, priest in kent who wrote a blog in response entitled the myth of the evangelical takeover if you don't already subscribe to the church times do check out our subscription offers at churchtimes.co.uk slash subscribe angela your column last week is our most read article for the whole month Um, it's generated a lot of debate on social media could you just give us a quick recap of of what you were arguing and really how you felt about the, the reaction to it since it was published on friday
1: Well, my starting point was actually something quite different, which was to do with the report that some doctors in a survey in Scotland had felt that they were being asked by people to deal with uh, really existential distress, spiritual distress, and a debate um, in one of the um, journals of general practitioners about whether this was Something that doctors should should offer, which has been an issue that's been around, I suppose, for quite a long time. But it struck me quite deeply, using terms like anxiety, existential distress. Where do people take these things to it? And it, it, it seemed to me that that you know, why don't they take them to church? And something about the way that the Thy Kingdom Come initiative seemed to me to be marketing it just made me think well I don't know that I would actually under these circumstances and in fact it's been very interesting the last few times I've been to um you know needed some medical attention people have asked me you know well do you meditate do you do mindfulness and I've said no I pray it's it's interesting how in a way where Out there in the real world, people are asking and trying to answer spiritual questions and yet doesn't quite match the kind of heartiness, enthusiasm, overwhelming concern, you know, that comes across with the Thy Kingdom Come initiative. Now, I've been a fan of Thy Kingdom Come. I've used it for the last three years. I thought it was a wonderful idea to actually make something of the liturgical season um, between Ascension and Pentecost and to... You know make something of this, this sense of waiting, beseeching, calling on the spirit that's very they're very powerful ideas and liturgical revisions in later years which have made something of that season encourage this but I found actually the thy kingdom come initiative from its website isn't interested in any of that it, it is it is essentially about getting people into church, and um you know that was confirmed to me by the quote from the Archbishop of Canterbury in which he, he spoke of, you know, this great movement of the Spirit. I mean, this has been running for three years. It's not very long. Um, to speak of it as a global wave of prayer, and evidence of the Spirit's movement, I think is just a bit, use um, the word presumptuous. I mean, we just don't know yet. You know, we had the decade of evangelism, we had festival of light, you have had all sorts of initiatives that have been hyped up and have been powerful and they've gone away. You know, they haven't stopped the decline in numbers. I just sort of felt that, that this mismatch between the rhetoric of thy kingdom come and the rather more humble reality of people's search for meaning and consolation um, needed to be probed a little bit. So that's why I wrote it.
0: I mean, some people have said that um, you've attacked, you know, the transatlantic evangelicalism filtered through public, the public school system, HDB New Wine.
1: That's not an attack. That's a description. I mean, that's a that's a factual description of something that's happened. I mean, you know, since my teenage years, when British evangelicals on the whole were pretty sober lot, you know, it was facts, not feelings is what. And then in a way came the charismatic movement and all the... the you know, a, a heightened sense of linkage between what was going on in the Toronto Blessing elsewhere. I mean, it's, it's quite a multi, you know, vociferous set of movements which have transformed the life of the Church of England in some ways for the, for the good. Um, I'm, I'm not denying that. It's certainly taken that very, very stoic evangelical approach into something that's a lot lighter and more creative. But I think there's another side as well. And what that other side is, that the, the language used is very in, in-house, very in-club. And if you don't share it, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't seek spiritual counsel within a church that was using the kind of language used on the Archbishop's website about, about Thy Kingdom Come, because it would make me use a vocabulary that is, is that of a sect, really, of a club. That I I don't share and I don't see that I would share, actually. I mean, I I don't tend to talk about, you know, movements of the spirit and, um, you know, what it felt like to receive Jesus into my heart. There might be circumstances in which I would, but it's the kind of casual assumption that this is the only way to speak of what it is to be a Christian that seemed to me to be just simply wrong and not very Anglican. Um, you know, I've, I respect the evangelical movement. I think it's really, really important. It's certainly been important in my life for many reasons, but it's never been the whole show. And something about the way Thy Kingdom Come is marketing itself makes me think that people think it is the whole show. So uh, my sense of it was I'll keep the season, um, as I always have done. But my sense of what I'm really praying for is for something that's that's deeper, that's more connected to where people are really hurting and to those areas in life where people don't trust the church at the moment
0: where else do you see this evangelical takeover happening that you write about is, is it in the appointment of bishops is it in the way there are church plants happening from htb or
1: i think it's quite a lot of i mean it's it's, it's quite a lot of different things it, it's it's shown up in in a lot of different ways i think partly in the way that the the kind of channels through which the church works, the church commissioners, the appointment system, seem to me to call on fewer people. They may not all be evangelicals, but the actual gateways are narrower. And I think that's always a worry. I think it's something, I mean, everybody who we talk to in the church, whatever their perspective, will talk about um, And not always negatively either, and I wouldn't always be negative about it, about an increased sense of managerialism, of strategies being set and people being judged on whether they've fit those. Now, now much of that is really helpful, and I don't want to condemn it out of hand at all, but I think it can lead to a culture where alternative voices are simply um, repressed, not noticed, and, and, and sometimes condemned in ways that are quite uncharitable and also quite unwise, because an institution as complex as the Church of England is, needs to have different voices bubbling away, responding to the spirit from different quarters and different places. And I'm not sure that we're getting that at the moment. I think that the voices that are heard are from quite a narrow segment.
0: Father Craig Huxley, you, you wrote a blog entitled The Myth of the Evangelical Takeover. And you said, as someone who is Anglo-Catholic to the core of his being, I'm here to re- tell you to remain calm. This evangelical takeover isn't happening and stop being a victim. And um, so clearly you, you, you disagree with Andrew on, on this particular point.
2: I do, yeah. I, I don't know Angela, but I, I, I suspect Angela that if we were we were to talk I, I, uh, in more detail, I think we'd find ourselves very much of of the same stable in terms of, of our churchmanship and our spirituality and, and and things like that. It seemed to me that the article was drawing a causal link uh, between the disconnect between the, the kind of population and the church and the and the tenor of uh, the language of initiatives like yes. Thy Kingdom come. Yes,
1: I, 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 th- I think um, I. I, want, I wanted to say that that there, there is a causal link
2: yes and and, and I think on, on the one hand I, I can see that but I can also see that actually my experience tells me that the, the disconnect between the the church and and the and kind of society at, at large is because we can't I think as a church we lost our nerve a bit um, and I also I just don't think that we responded to the way that culture has changed over the last sort of 20 to 30 years. And I I think that the the tradition that you lament the loss of, the kind of the slow nurturing of the person and the gentle counsel, I don't think that's necessarily been lost because of an evangelical takeover. I think it's because that particular tradition, which I was nurtured in myself, responded effectively to the changing nature of the kind of spiritual landscape of, of England as we see it today. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Well, the trouble is the nurturing of persons and the spirit in that gentle way does go on, but it's going on less and less within the Church of England. I mean, I think one does see it going on in in some doctors' surgeries, um, you know, in some forms of of counselling and therapy, and in people people's spiritual search, which on the whole is is not for the kind of, you know, overwhelming experiences of the Holy Spirit. It's just a finding a sane way to live. And um, it's that disconnectedness with sanity and ordinary human living um, and the sense that actually what being Christian means, means living on a sort of elevated level of, of spiritual experience, which I think is not only unAnglican, but I think it's in, in some ways, it's criticised in other parts of the Christian tradition um, quite quite widely. And I think it, it worries me because it suggests that the church only feels confident if it's taking on a kind of triumphalistic identity rather than one which, you know, I mean, it it, it saddens me that we're not, proud of our traditions. I go to a cathedral where we have 50 or so um, or more young people involved in choirs who are singing, you know, even song and a sung Eucharist and their They're in touch with the church, they're part of it. I think part of the problem was that those who were always sort of unsatisfied with traditional Anglican worship pressed us to a point where we felt we'd lost confidence in it. And actually, that was a great pity because that slow nurturing of the spirit is something which. We we ought to have confidence in it works, it forms people, it brings them into a way of dealing with their lives. Um, But we were all somehow told, and I remember this is what happened at the start of Fresh Expressions, which I was a bit involved in. You know, we were kind of told that it just wouldn't do, that it didn't communicate, that it didn't work anymore. And I mean, I've kept quite a sort of an interest in Fresh Expressions over a number of years. And, you know, some of them work a bit, some of them don't. It's not really done what it hoped to do. Um, Maybe it will in the future. But what it's actually done is to disenfranchise a whole lot of people who might have found a spiritual home in a tradition that had some historic roots and some wisdom and sanity about it that's come from a long, long way back and is still very much alive. Um, They haven't been given that chance. You know, I I had an extraordinary conversation about this some time ago with um, a former colleague who said that she'd had a group of people coming to a a fresh expression for three years. But no way would they ever be able to go to a parish Eucharist. And my response was, why haven't you given them the the kind of the way of uh, absorbing and being formed in in that? Because that's where the gift lies. You know, it's this almost sense that what you've received is no good. And I just think that's not true.
2: I would agree entirely with you. But I think it's incumbent upon those of us who would inhabit that tradition that you're you're sad to see mm. go to recover our confidence and and to to begin to 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 recreate some of what has been lost. I mean, you, you mentioned that you worship in a cathedral well, as well as being chaplain to. Benenden and Kent. I'm, I also minister in two parishes. They're united, and St. Mary's Goudhurst is, is kind of much more informal in its approach to worship. It has this sort of extensive small groups initiative and great youth outreach and so on. And our other church, Christchurch Kilton Down, is centred on the Eucharist and the offering of the very best traditional worship. Uh, we've, we've recrafted all our liturgy to make sure that those received words that we know by intuition are still there, It's about the gentle counsel. It would fit beautifully, the description that you use in in your article. Both of those congregations are growing. Now if what you said in your article were true then one would be growing and the other would not what i sense in in both of those churches um, that i minister in that actually they they're both being very intentional about what they're offering and and Kilndam where, where where we are perhaps more more traditional in what we offer there is a real confidence there and and that confidence is quite infectious and many people have found that to be really helpful so i suppose what i'm saying is and, and perhaps that's what, kept, what i meant by that quite harsh line let's not be victims about this is if if that's what we're lamenting the loss of it's easy to lay the blame at the door of someone else rather than saying what did we do and not do to make sure that that tradition remained steady and and, and flourished
1: yes i mean i was I was quite surprised by the term victim because I I simply don't feel a victim at all. I don't think that what's going on in the church at the moment is an intentional attack on people who don't do things, the fresh expressions or the like kingdom come way. I think what it reveals much more is a kind of cultural ignorance of the roots of Anglicanism. And uh, uh, because of that ignorance, there's no access to its its multiple streams because there's never been one single stream. You know, it's a part of the the enjoyment of Anglicanism is that you, as you as you well know, is that you could go from being a sort of Bible thumping evangelical to being an Anglo-Catholic without ever changing your liturgy. That was one of the extraordinary things that that was enabled spiritual growth and movement. You know, in a former age. But now, of course, the two ends wouldn't even recognize each other, could could, could barely be in the same room. And I think that's a tremendous loss, actually. You know, I, if, if I lament that, it's more in a sense of why has our inheritance been
2: thrown away so cheaply? It's interesting you should say that because I I would track the collapse of of what you lament. I I track that back even earlier. I I reckon maybe 30 years ago we lost that because I I think the Church of England, the model of of kind of presence and and that kind of vicar in the vicarage and all is right with the world. uh, You know, that that's a wonderful image and it's it's a a wonderful idea. But I, I think the the society that that model interacted with changed probably about 30 years ago maybe even more and i think that our failure to respond then is is what is, was caused a lot of our problems that we're experiencing now rather than this shift to towards a kind of a more evangelical form of language i, th- I think that those of us who in- inhabit that sort of a slow, nurturing, gentle counsel model of church, we didn't adapt when society changed.
1: Yes, I, I think i will be a bit harsh on the church in a way. I think there were problems. I think one of it was a kind of indisciplined liberalism in theology, which led to panic among the more conservative. And I think it was indisciplined. And I think it wasn't always wise. But I think there are other things going on as well. And part of it was, in, in a way, you know, that the churches lost the plot for, for other reasons and it's not just what's going on in church that's the problem, it's society as well in in a way Um, being much more affluent, being much more sort of um, hedonistic, much more Individually pleasure centered. And the church, instead of challenging that, has actually locked itself into it by um, some of the things that it's encouraged. You know, there's an awful lot now. I can go around not very far from where I am, and you'll find a big notice board outside church saying um, children's activities, Sunday papers, lovely coffee. And somewhere right at the bottom, it says um, prayers. You know, that that is Sunday worship. Yep. And I, I, I think that's that says, you know, this is incredibly lacking in confidence. It's a kind of anxiety driven defensiveness. You drive people in on a false pretext and then you might say a prayer at the end and you say you think you've done church.
0: You ask we talk about how people in distress are often patronized by the saved and the certain. Um, Wheland Bell in a, in a blog that was largely quite sympathetic to your argument, he, he did say that the problem presumably is that in, the enthusiasm of the saved and the certain is scaring off the more reticent but some would argue it's precisely the confidence of evangelical churches that attracts people it certainly comes through in, in Craig's blog where he notes the confidence and competence at Holy Trinity Brompton and how full it is which, which would seem to argue against your your claim that this is putting people off.
1: Yes, I know. But you see, I've probably spent the last 20 years ministering to wounded evangelicals, to people who have been in HTB and other sorts of um, intense evangelical experience, And in the end, it hasn't worked for them. And In the end, they've realised that they were taking on something, which was a kind of mask and defence against their own depression and anxiety. And I think, I think some of this, I wouldn't say all of it, but I think some of this does work like that. It hooks people in. On a kind of false self, a kind of created self uh, that is is made up of imagination, really, and of heavy social pressure, and it doesn't. I mean, part of the reason people get so cross when you say things like this is that that I, I do think quite a lot of that kind of religion is just a mask for intolerable anxieties, and when it's challenged, people get very, very angry and very, very upset. And I, I can I can see with in some of the responses that I've seen that that's what that's the nerve that's been touched. But if you've sat where I've sat and you've listened to people who are are hugely angry with the church because they feel that they've been betrayed, they've been led into a place of oppressive control. Um, that they, they don't feel free, they don't feel resourced to deal with their anxieties or to live a good life. You you might feel slightly differently about it.
2: I do understand that argument and, and and I too have have had some of those very difficult conversations with those who' have been wounded by those in in the evangelical end of the church but also those who have been wounded by every kind of expression of the church the point that I'm making about um, confidence and competence is that if if we think that there is an issue then we need to have the confidence and competence to cr- to continue to create the space where those who have not found their previous church experience is helpful to, to create the space where they, where they can feel uh, that they're receiving what they need. And I, th- and I think the responsibility is on, on us to, to create that.
1: And I mean, I think what you said about the way people conduct worship was absolutely o- on the ball. You know, that there's, there's something about competence and confidence and in presiding at the Eucharist, or at any kind of service, that ability to, to do it as though God were there, as though in the presence of God, you know, as, as though we actually believed in God rather than just talked about God, is really, really important. Um, and you don't often see that um, well done in in any brand of the church, actually. I mean, I, th- I found this, uh, you know, across the board, the, the, the lack of any sort of sense that God is here and we sort of enter into it. You, you get a noisy version of it, but you don't get one that actually stills i
0: mean like income seems it pains to emphasize that you know they people can take part through you know um novena of prayer silent prayer it's not just guitars and praise bands but are you thinking that's just a sort of marketing ploy rather than something sincere
1: well no i think it's ignorance really i think that they they're they're terribly well-meaning you know i don't doubt their sincerity their goodness their sense that they're speaking for the whole church but they just don't get it um, you know, they, they, and and they say, bring your silence, bring your tea lights, bring you, like. you know, we can all do a bit of that. But it's it's underneath it all. It is it is sort of generated by um, anxiety, by, you know, the, the, if we don't get numbers, we're going to fall apart. I mean, the narrative of decline that lies behind it is, I think, in some ways misplaced, and in some ways it understand, misunderstands what that decline is about. I will take part in it, of course I will, in my own way, but with a certain sense of of irony.
2: My own sense is that I don't think there is anything wrong in, in praying thy kingdom come, and that finding different expressions in, in different places. But what I don't think it's okay to do is to let the traditions that, that we value slip away, do very little about it, and, and lay the blame at, at the door of other people. Well,
1: I don't believe that's what I was trying to do at all. Um, okay. I, I mean, I, I really don't accept that as a description of, of my article. I think I was trying to draw attention to something which had happened almost by default and, and happened out of ignorance rather than ill will.
2: But but I, I still i would I would still say that if we are sad about the loss of a, of a particular expression of, of the way we go about being the Church of God in particular communities i I, I think I would I would long to see us recover our uh, our kind of intention our purpose and our confidence in that and get about regrowing that because I think I think the evidence shows us that that we can and i and I just wish that we would
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.